May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I have realized that with readings that we hear over and over and over, where all of a sudden I'll be looking at this reading that I think I know by heart and something in it will just suddenly leap out at me and I'm thinking, oh, how did I miss that? Well, in today's reading, as I was preparing to preach, I suddenly was struck by, he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Somehow I'd always missed that was led by the spirit part. And so I sat there thinking, what could that possibly mean? Why would the spirit lead Jesus at this point into the wilderness? Because this is a point just before he truly begins his ministry. And if you think back to what has led up to this point, we have had the story of Jesus as a 12-year-old sitting in the temple in conversation with the temple leaders and amazing everyone with his witness. We have had Jesus baptized and the voice of God here being heard by everyone saying, you are my son, my beloved. And then in Luke, Luke has then given us the further thing of going through Joseph's genealogy so that we recognize where Jesus has come from all the way back to Adam, if you want to go and check that out. Um, but so, so it is, to me, I think that the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness because of all of those things that have happened. That as a 12-year-old who is able to converse with religious leaders. I mean, can you imagine what that does to a young person? That, oh my goodness, I'm sitting here, people are amazed at me. This is who I could be. And you can just imagine the religious leaders thinking about, who is this child from Nazareth? We need to keep an eye on him. You know, maybe we can bring him into the elite of the temple. He would be a great asset to us, right? We can start shaping him to be a great leader for us. And then he's baptized and everybody around hears that voice. You are my son, my beloved. So can you imagine people? Oh my gosh, that's who he is. Oh, I want to know more about him. Let me find out how he can be my friend. You know, I'm, I'm going to hang out with this one. Son of God, beloved. Oh, yeah, this is where I want to be. Right? And so the temptation, the temptation that the devil offers Jesus is, listen to what has gone before. Listen to the opportunities for you. You can be this amazing religious leader and have great power and have people impressed with you. I mean, if they were impressed when you were 12, imagine now when you're 30 and you've had longer to read all these things. Or the devil saying, 
Did you see people's reaction when they heard God call you God's beloved? All you have to do is stand in that divinity and people will bow down before you. Just imagine. I mean, you don't really have to do anything. Just keep reminding people, yeah, I'm the son of God. And you've got it made. You know, that is your life. You will have a glorious existence. And it must have been tempting. It must have been tempting even for Jesus to consider those possibilities. And so the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to remind him who he has been called to be, to allow Jesus the chance to grapple with the opportunities of being wildly famous, bowed down to, or to be who God has asked him to be one living on the margins of society, one identifying with the poor, with the oppressed, one who no one will bow down to, one who is asked to carry the weight of the world's woes and sins and show the world God's love in the midst of all of that. In, as I said, you know, we hear this reading so often that it's tempting to hear Jesus' responses to the devil as kind of throwaway lines. I mean, especially when we remember that at, as 12, he knew the scriptures, so here he is now, he must definitely know the scriptures. And all of his responses to the devil are taken from scripture. These are words from Deuteronomy that Moses spoke to the people of Israel before they went into the promised land. So we would be, and we often are, hearing those words kind of as though Jesus is saying, yeah, well... I know it says, thou shalt not live by bread alone. Oh yeah, and I know the answer to that. It says, you shall not test the Lord your God. So I mean, that it, sound, it could almost be like throwaway lines. But if that were the case, then what would be the lesson in it for us? What would be the model in it for us? Because if we are saying that Jesus responds to temptation easily, then what does he hold for us as a model? But we are told that for those 40 days, he didn't eat a thing. And when they were over, he was famished. Famished. Not hungry, famished. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I have often had to say to my children when they would come home and say, oh, I'm starving. I'm like, no, you are not starving. You might be really hungry, but starving is far from your experience at all. But Jesus is famished. Forty days with nothing to eat. So when the devil tempts him, it is not some easy throwaway line that Jesus responds with. It is indeed a struggle representing the struggle that he has gone through these 40 days in saying yes to the path that God has called him to. And it is that that is the model for us. That we in our lives will be tempted. And in these 40 days of Lent, maybe even more than we normally are, because we are called to give up something, or though I don't tell people to give up something, you don't have to give up something. But I went to an Anglican convent elementary school and we were all forced to give up something. And every single one of us gave up candy. Every single one of us. But we didn't stop buying candy and we didn't stop accepting candy when people offered it to us. What we did is we had these plastic bags and all through Lent, all the candy we bought or were given, we would put in these plastic bags and at the end of Lent, we had a competition. Like, who had the biggest plastic bag? It's kind of like, maybe we missed the, the point here. And I think that often we do. We miss what it is that Lent calls us to. I had a friend on Facebook put a note that, are people meant to put on Facebook what it is they're giving up for Lent? I mean, is, is this supposed to be something that you share with the world, that this is part of your, your story, your fame? And I was like, well, probably not. She said, yeah, because I just had a friend say she's giving up candy, though she really doesn't like candy. <laughs> I'm like, again, kind of, we are caught in the words of the law and forgetting what the spirit is. The spirit is that we are called to struggle with those things that make us comfortable as an individual and as a community. And we as a community have said we are on a path of kononia. We as a community are going to be a parish community that questions white supremacy, that questions racism, that questions economic inequality, that questions the structures of the society that we know and we live in, and our part in that society. And I know that Often the temptation is to say, well, we've heard about 50,000 sermons. 
We've read a couple of books. We've had, I don't know how many adult formation classes on all of this. God, I think we're good. But God says, until the change that you say you imagine that you are working for is in place, then you cannot give up. You cannot be tempted to sit back and relax. You cannot be tempted even to say, well, you know, that's the parish, everybody's doing this work. That's what the vestry's for. That's what the clergy are for. That's what the Kononia committee is for. I will listen, but that's what I am going to do. The real work let those people who stood up and said they wanted those positions do. But our God has said, I call you not to be those who are bowed down to. I call you not to be those who are sitting in positions of power. I call you as I called my son to be those at the margins, making our society aware of injustice. I call you to be the ones who fight the temptation, the temptation to be comfortable with others' oppression, the temptation to give up the struggle before you even start. I call you to be led by the Spirit as Jesus was led, to trust me, to love me, to honor me, and then to see the amazing work we can do together. Amen.